Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Dean Mackin on today's news talk radio, TNT. G'day, g'day. We're almost there. Almost. Not quite Friday, but feeling a little bit like Friday today. And I've got so much to get through and only about six minutes to do it. So I will try my best. Uh, Toby Keith, for those of you who love American country music, and I do, and it is massive in America. I mean, it really is massive. Taylor Swift came from American country music. She went a little bit pop. You could argue the whole genre is these days a little bit pop. Uh, pop. Uh, people like Toby Keith, our very own Keith Urban, it's just terrific music. It really is wonderful music. Toby Keith, one of my favourites. I had the inner uh, the, the opportunity to interview him several times. I got to meet him. I got a backstage uh, photo with him when he came to Sydney a while back. And a tremendous fellow, a massive, a mountain of a man. And he's passed away at 62, unrecognisable in his last interview. Uh, he had a turbo cancer, if you will, a stomach cancer, um, absolutely unrecognisable in his last interview, as I just said, and uh, responsible for songs such as Should Have Been a Cowboy, Red Solo Cup, I Love This Bar, How Do You Like Me Now, Not As Good As I Once Was, Beer For My Horses, and a whole bunch more songs. I, I could sing every word. They were just that good. They were iconic songs and somebody who is going to be missed massively. Yes, I did check out on Reddit and boy, did it take a lot of Googling because the immediate question that came to me was, did he get vaccinated? And the answer, according to the few and very, very few and very difficult uh, thing it was to find, uh, would suggest that he was indeed. And he was certainly on board with the whole COVID thing. He wasn't one who, like many of us, denied their narrative. I wish he had. I wish he would have been a little bit more sceptical of it. And I would suggest maybe he would still be here today. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm going out on a limb with that. But, uh, mate, rest in peace. Toby Keith, an absolute champion fella. And no matter how he died or what he died of, uh, he's going to be dearly missed. Of course, there's a movie coming out on the 12th of April called Civil War. It's called an action movie. It's going to be huge. It's coming out in cinemas around the world, starring Kirsten Dunst, who you might know from the woman who uh, Spider-Man kisses while he's upside down in one of those particular uh, Spider-Man movies, and I've lost track of them all. But uh, they're calling it an action movie. I'm calling it a predictive documentary, if you will, maybe even a mockumentary, um, because what's going on in Australia, you've uh, in America is crazy. You've got the traitors calling the patriots traitors. And I mean, when you get to that point and these people actually believe that is the case, they must represent a third party. They must represent some sort of global governance. They certainly don't represent America. And I'm talking about those who are currently calling Tucker Carlson a traitor. And I can't wait till 10 a.m. Friday here in Australia. That interview with uh, Putin is going to air and they are absolutely packing it. They are packing it because they're not packing it because uh, you know, Tucker Carlson, of all people, went to Moscow and interviewed Putin. It's not about Tucker Carlson. It's about anybody having the guts, anybody who's fair income, who's not on board, the, not part of the puppet show, who's going to ask him some fair income questions, not trying to trip him up, and will let him answer these questions um, uh, honestly, truthfully, and in his own time. And what does that do? It allows everybody watching to make up their own mind as to what kind of fellow 
Putin is, what he's up to. And that is a, uh, something that's been denied. And of course, he's been interviewed by their mainstream, lamestream media many, many, many times. It's been called journalism right up until now. And of course, when Tucker Carlson does it, he's a traitor. It's not journalism anymore, according to them. So that's exactly what it is. We know it's the exact opposite in bizarro world of anything that they advocate for. So Tucker Carlson, an absolute champion, and they are dreading this interview. They are dreading it like you would not imagine. It will literally change what most people think about Vladimir Putin. I would suggest he's a very strong, a staunch, a super intelligent. Uh, you could say he's cunning. You need to be cunning when you've got a bunch of the world's most cunning criminals out to get you and out to get the rest of the world. He's not playing it. He's not going to uh, play that game. And people are going to pick up on this. And I would suggest most Americans, especially those who, you know, currently, uh, you know, who think Biden is the answer, even they might for one second think, wouldn't it be great to have a leader who advocates for their own people, for their, their own offspring, for their own future line? Wouldn't that be phenomenal. And uh, we haven't had that for a long, long time. Perhaps Donald Trump is it. Perhaps he's not. But certainly um, we're going to find out just what kind of fella Putin is. And they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know. And unlike, you know, people, you know, who, who we've got sitting there, you know, Julian Assange, for example, and others who have spoken out against the American government by releasing secrets. This is a secret. They how Putin really is and his real intentions in the Ukraine are literally something that is secret for them. They've stopped you from learning of this and the lengths to which Tucker Carlson had to go to get you this story are just phenomenal. And of course, uh, proving that they were spying on him all the time. He called it off earlier, but he thought the situation is that dire now. I'm going to go no matter what. Plenty of people in the EU states advocating that he not be allowed to enter those states. I mean, wow, talk about bigotry on steroids, but wow, this is going to blow the narrative out of the water and absolutely uh, looking forward to that. Elon Musk on board as well, allowing his platform x.com, formerly Twitter, to uh, absolutely play this thing unedited in full. And of course, you can go to the Tucker Carlson website as well. Just very quickly, the New Zealand Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon, he has ditched this bid. They were trying to reduce the uh, New Zealand uh, jail population by 30%. That means less people going to jail, staying in jail for less time, and maybe even putting violent criminals back on the street. And not just that. I mean, they were absolutely, uh, they're going to town on this. They had a thing called Section 27, which allowed people to, and I'll just quote, an offender could request the court hear their personal family, Barnau, W-H-A-N-A-U, which is the Maori word for family, community or cultural background of the offender. So basically your sob story, your woke history, how violated you've been historically, that would massively reduce your sentence. And the government was paying for these reports. And these reports were costing the uh, $40 million dollars, <laughs> New Zealand dollars, 37 Australian uh, million. Um, and of course, that went up and increased to uh, 7 million, 6.6 in Australian million dollars um, over time. So that's going to get hit on the head as well. They're going to legislate. That's get, that gets hit on the head. And of course, they proved that under the Labor, uh, under their previous government, you know, horse teeth, Jacinda Ardern, um, the crime rate went up. I've got the number here highlighted somewhere. It went up about 30% went up 30% violent crime too, I might add. So of course, uh, she's gone. If you take away the, the, the cancer, 
the body will heal. And this time the body is New Zealand. We've, we've uh, sent Horseface off to wherever she's off to, some sort of glo global brown paper bag job she's off. And of course the country is in the healing process as well. And just very quickly, and I do apologize, Gemma, for um, uh, taking away your time, but the Australian Senate has again voted down a probe into excess deaths. Uh, Ralph Babette of the United Australia Party for the third time has put this forward. Now, it went closer to getting through than you might imagine. Of course, excess uh, excess deaths, some states, 17% above average. And of course, uh, recently about 9.9 .9 has been the national um, above average baseline. So you would think there would be massive support for this, that people would want you to know what's going on. But no, they wouldn't. But um, if you want to know how the vote went, it was 35 to 30. Yes a lot closer than you might think. Labor, the Greens, of course, voted no. We don't want this inquiry. The Liberals, the Nationals and the Country Liberal Party all voted yes. The uh, We had David Pocock, of course, um, One Nation, and uh, yeah, David Pocock voted yes. And if I had to get you to guess who voted no, I bet you could of the independents, I guarantee. And I'll give you a hint, they're both feral as. And the answer is, of course, Lydia Thorpe and Jackie Lambie. I remember having a good old laugh at her expense on Clive Palmer's boat. I had a bit of a dig at Clive and, you know, basically saying, well, you're responsible for a Clive. That got a bit of a laugh. I don't know how much he liked it on his own boat, but um, I uh, he supplied the alcohol. So um, I made the joke. But uh, yeah, Jackie Lambie, originally of the UAP, certainly she's been ousted and someone who goes with the wind, who says anything uh, that will benefit her. She is absolutely this week and how she ever got elected and how anybody even thought that somebody who talks like her would make a good advocate in politics is well and truly beyond me. Now, did you know that there are many ways that you can watch or listen to TNT? So why not stream us direct from our website on your desktop, tablet or mobile device or download the app from the App Store. We even stream live on X, YouTube, Rumble and Odyssey. We've got you covered here at today's News Talk TNT. Keeping the commitment 24 7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, I must start off. I apologize. The wonderful Gemma Cooper joins us. I hijacked about three minutes of your time. Then there was just those four stories that were absolutely just too massive to, um, to uh, miss. And I just had to hit them. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing you've got a bunch more for us. I mean, there was so much you were saying there in your editorial. Please don't apologize. You know, that's your job is to is to give us this roundup. And the, once again, a lot of parallels there. And it's very interesting what you say about Tucker Carlson and Putin, which does lead me into the story that's broken overnight here, um, which I'll talk about in just one sec. But yeah, I mean, that's going to break the internet, and it will it will be the first time that East meets West in, in properly properly East is going to meet West and let's hope that it, it unites and stops all this division and polarization. Let's, let's get the truth. Let's get the truth. But while we're seeing Tucker Carlson, you know, going in ostensibly interviewing Putin, although I'm sure that the questions will have been quite vetted, but you know, let's give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, what we've got here in the UK, which I think will drag you guys into it under AUKUS, is uh, intelligence officials, top intelligence officials. They apparently had this top secret meeting last night so secret, details have been leaked to uh, to a few outlets this morning here in UK um, of, of top secret um, HQ meeting of the UK's Defence Intelligence Agency, the DI. Very similar to MI5 and MI6, but they're much more covert. You don't really hear a lot about this agency at all, ever, actually. Um, but they've leaked um, uh, some details of a meeting that came out last night, and they're saying we, are, we must prepare for war in the UK. Uh, wow. The threat of war is closer than ever that's ever been in our history, in the history of the world, they're saying. 
And the top threats are Russia, unsurprisingly, to us. This is what they're saying, China and <laughs> the situation in the Middle East. Now, what they're saying is we're not trying to we're not trying to panic people, says this undisclosed source from the DI agency. Uh, we're not trying to panic people, but we want people to understand that the, we are living in truly dangerous times and the likelihood of large-scale conflict in the near future is higher than at any point in human history. Now, what they're saying, this is interesting. Tucker Carlson's about to blow the lid on Putin, right? It, this is what they say. Russia is the biggest threat and expected to be the biggest threat to the UK and our allies, which includes you guys in Australia, till the date 20. 30. There That's what got my spider sense tingling. I thought this is part of the global agenda for human control by 2030. They couldn't do it by 2021, uh, Agenda 21. It is Agenda 2030. Uh, off the back of this, uh, these comments that have come out this morning, we've got the Armed Forces Minister saying that uh, the Defence Intelligence uh, Units, if you want to call it that, the DI, they call it here in the UK, is growing, uh, is much necessary and needed. And this is sinister as well. He says that the DI, the Defence Intelligence, where these leaks have come from, is harnessing next generation technology, well, that means AI, doesn't it, to counter false narratives, especially those coming out of Russia. Isn't it funny that this is leaked this morning ahead of Tucker Carlson's interview with Putin? Suddenly, Russia's the biggest threat to, to the UK and their allies ever, ever, forget the Cold War, this is it, you know, we could go to war in the near future, the UK population must be prepared, there's loads of false narratives coming out of Russia, right on the eve of Tucker Carlson's interview, it's all very linked up and joined up, you never hear from this shadowy DI defence agency, I've certainly never heard them go on the record before, you do hear from undisclosed sources at MI5 and MI6, but suddenly this shadowy James Bond style, specterist kind of, kind of agency is saying, war, war, Russia's terrible, right ahead of Putin having a say with a Western journalist. Hmm, seems a bit of a coincidence to me. Yeah, well, it's going to backfire on them. I would imagine he will come across as extremely level-headed, reasonable, all the things that they don't want people to think about him. And you can imagine some of the outtakes. They'll find the one thing where he's got a, a bit of a dodgy look on his face or get something out of context. They will absolutely destroy this. But I would imagine that almost every conservative, most of the people even sitting on the fence, are going to, around the world, watch this interview. Um, as for those of the left, I would imagine they couldn't bring themselves to do it. They absolutely are the most uh, bigoted group on the planet. And I would suggest they won't change their opinion because they won't watch it. No, well, and even to get rid of the kind of left and right monikers, you know, that we we still subscribe to, subscribe to people. It's more, you know, um, people who are, is there a better word than awake? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't think of one this morning. It's Thursday morning. It's early in the UK. Um, but it's people who have kind of broken through the, the narrative programming is what, what we were saying. Um, people that see the excess death figures and see the mainstream media aren't reporting it. You know, like you just alluded to with the, the, the singer who died of a turbo cancer. That's what should be being reported. You know, it, it, Putin's words should be being reported properly, not by a controlled mainstream or lamestream, in, even in his own country. So it's, it's more people that see through narratives, are beginning to see through narratives. I think maybe left and right is kind of more outdated term because it's more, do you think as an individual, think of the collective? I think people are beginning to think as a global collective right around the planet. People are shifting their perspectives and thinking a certain way. So let's see the reaction it garners. But I do find it extraordinary 
that uh, you know hours before this interview is going to is going to air this this UK defense intelligence shadowy underground agency one of the sources has said we don't seek the limelight well suddenly you're all over the, the all over yeah. many outlets this morning they're saying how dangerous Russia is right ahead of this interview it seems very scripted it seems very uh, they see the threat um so they they've they've countered with their own threat which is that you know prepare for war, Russia's the bad guy until 2030, 2030. It's like a mantra, isn't it? Oh, you know, it it's really like is. a mantra. It's frightening. And they've, they've got all of their useful idiots out of the closet, including Hillary Clinton, the Rolling Stone mag. You know, this is one of their headlines. Kremlin all but admits Tucker Carlson is a useful idiot. That's their interpretation because he said that, um, you know, nobody else has even tried to get an interview. What he should have said, he should have been more specific. Nobody who is fair dinkum, nobody who is real, who is a proper journalist has asked. has been a bunch of CNN and usual woke, you know, onboard Muppets who have uh, applied to the Kremlin. This guy corrected that statement saying other people had approached the Kremlin to do interviews. And uh, quite frankly, uh, here's Rolling Stone, you know, twisting it around. It's just absolutely uh, horrendous. You know, just some of these rogue, you know, rogue former Fo Fox host Tucker Carlson. How's he rogue? He's now independent is the word they were looking for. But no, apparently when you uh, go off the, the mainstream narrative, you're rogue unbelievable. The truth is rogue. Anybody that's patriotic is a traitor. The world is absolutely on its head. Bizarro world personified. We're living in it, uh, Gemma. I don't know when, when it's all going to uh, fix itself, but only after the people wake up and get out there en masse, I would imagine. Gemma Cooper, thank you for joining us. You'll be back with Sonia Poulton next hour. And of course, back here with me tomorrow on Friday. You're not away for a course this week? No, I'll be with you tomorrow. I'll be with you I love tomorrow. It. Terrific. Gemma Cooper, everybody. Stick around. We're going to be talking tech with Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au here right after this. TNT's Timothy Shea. The race is essentially now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints us. We'll be pulling his hat from the ring next. And the issue, as always, is why is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics, having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke. And Nikki said, and I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. Too many journalists are paying with their lives. They faced exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. 
We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I am naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. And welcome back. Of course, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20 and 21 at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission, believe it or not, to appeal or whether he'll be extradited to the United States. Now, TNT is going to be at the Royal Court of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days if it runs that long. So we will be broadcasting from various locations throughout London and we're going to be lighting the fuse for freedom right here at TNT. Now, I'm going to be talking to the one, the only guy that you ever need to talk to when you're talking tech. And I wouldn't just say here in Australia, I would say anywhere in the world. His website is techguide.com.au. I am, of course, talking about Stephen Fennick. G'day, Stephen. How are you going? G'day, Dean. How are you doing? Good to be with you again, mate. Mate, great great to have you on, <clears throat> as always. Mate, before we get into the, the two things I was originally going to talk about, um, I was, I've, and by the way, people, if you get a chance, get on Stephen's website, hundreds of podcasts, and he's doing things on EVs as well. But if you want to talk tech, get on there. It's absolutely terrific. It had me captivated, especially since I've started going for walks again. And I've got my, and I've got to say, Stephen, just quickly, I had the Galaxy Buds too, to, you know, pair up with my Samsung phone. I hated them. They kept falling out of my ears and all oh. the rest of it. My son put me onto the AirPods, the new AirPods. Yep. And yeah, they, they work. AirPods work with uh, with non-Apple products, would you believe? They work with Android phones. They're Bluetooth. So, yeah, yeah the, the AirPods are terrific. I, I'm a fan of the Jabra. The Jabra headphones, uh, they, they, uh, they fit in there nicely too, mate, give you good quality and a good fit. Mate, you think I would have asked you of all people? Of course, mate. I've, I've tested all of them, mate. I've tested all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to spend my $300 voucher. I got it up at Harvey Norman with the <laughs> S24 Ultra that, of course, Stephen advocated for and uh, said it was the best phone on the market, bar none. You said that out outright, and yeah. uh, that's your daily driver at the moment. It is, yeah. Now, the S24 is out this week. for Pre-orders arrived there last week. Uh, this is, I think, yeah, the it's got everything, mate. It's got a great screen, fast, great performance, fast processor, fantastic camera. Uh, great design. Throw in the Galaxy AI, and I think you got a phone that's on its on another level. And it's going to be interesting to see what what the how the industry responds, what what Apple's going to do. But at at the moment, if I was to tell you the best phone to buy right now, it's be that Galaxy S twenty four Ultra for sure. Now, one thing I didn't know that you made me aware of uh, was, of course, that a lot of that processing for the AI is done on the phone. I assumed it would be sent off to the cloud. Prote you know, processed and sent back, but you, yeah. the phone does a lot of it itself. 
That's right. Yeah, even even all of the translation, like all that live translation, that doesn't need the internet for for it to do that. It's just got the processor and all the languages already preloaded. So uh, you could be on a plane and, and use that feature in person. Uh, and of course, it's part of the phone app as well on, on the device. So uh, there are other translation apps you can download. I think the Pixel's got a few languages you can download as well. But this is part of the phone app. So, uh, yeah, one of the many AI features you'll find on the S24, I published my complete review on Tech Guide. Yeah, it's a, it's a very clever phone. I think Stephen's internet's just having a little bit of lag there. Hopefully it'll kick back in in a second and he can hear me at the moment. But, yeah, I was listening to one of his podcasts, actually, uh, using the S24 Ultra on the AirPods when I was learning about the uh, Neuralink, which is what Elon Musk is doing, which is this thing, and they've actually found somebody. We'll get Stephen back in a second. They've actually found somebody to be the guinea pig to have this thing implanted in their head. Now, I joked off air with Stephen and I said, how the hell would you find anybody who would put their hand up to have something brand new? Just think of it, some sort of untested technology. Who would you ever find? Apparently billions if you're the government in conjunction with the media. But if you're Elon Musk, how do you possibly find uh, somebody to have this thing physically implanted in their brain? Now, that's a Perfectly good question. And when we get Stephen back, uh, he'll tell you who that person was and and what this Neuralink is expected to do. And we've got him back now. Stephen, I was just talking about the Elon Musk's Neuralink and how the hell did they find somebody to volunteer to have this thing implanted? Yeah, I think there would have been a few people who would have maybe put their hand up for this, mate. I think uh, it would be a pretty historical thing to be the first human that, that's implanted with the, the Neuralink product. Um, and this is all US uh, FDA approved as well, by the way. So this wasn't uh, just something they decided to try as an experiment. This was fully approved. Their surgery is actually performed by a robot that they developed. So it's so precise. There are like 64 threads thinner than a human hair that are implanted as part of the of the chip. The chip's about the size of five stacked coins. So it's not tiny, but it's not massive to take up all the room in your skull, but it's designed to go be implanted in the move. I think we're having some dramas with your link there. Uh, Stephen, a bit of lag there. Hopefully we can rectify that. We might get Stephen back on, on the phone if it doesn't come good. So, and we'll continue that. All right. Possibly we might go to a quick break. We've got one due and we'll get Stephen back either on the phone or on video uh, on the other side of it. We'll be back right after that here at TNT. I have some good news. Uh-huh. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Tucker Carlson's highly anticipated interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin will be released for the world to watch at 6pm Thursday Eastern Time. The world's number one podcaster has taken aim at the mainstream press for ignoring the frightening rise in excess deaths. Forget global boiling, the UN chief says we're now entering the age of chaos, and the US military claims to have killed a high-value target in the Middle East. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. 
And welcome back to TNT. Yeah, we, we've been having some problems with uh, Stephen's link. So while the studio tries to get him back, I'll talk about a couple of things. Um, now, I don't know too much about the Telstra AI-driven tools to improve customer service, but I would imagine that artificial intelligence is better than just no intelligence at all, which is typically what you get when you deal with uh, Telstra. We've got Stephen back. I was just saying, Stephen, um, AI, artificial intelligence, is a hell of a lot better than probably what people might might be getting from Telstra right now. Mate, to tell us what they're doing. Yeah, well, it's all about improving their customer service experience. So they, they do have what they call this new technology that's driven by the Azure Open AI through the developed through Microsoft. And it's a, a, a tool called one sentence summary. So basically, you know, you know, if you've ever called customer service, you've got to explain your issue, they've got to look up your account. And if it's if it's happened before, if you they can look at the, your history of, of what you've done with the company. So with the one sentence summary, they can look at all of your issues, all the things you've spoken to them about, and have that summary of what you've already spoken about in the past and the issue that you have now, and be able to then access all the databases, the knowledge bases from Telstra as well. The the whole thing is sort of speeding up the process by up to eighty percent. So you're not on hold, you're not having to repeat your story to five different people. It's about getting into the heart of your problem, looking at your history, what your other dramas that you might have had in the past, and being able to give you that precise answer so that that whole customer service experience is as frictionless as possible. Because that's the issue. You try to people dread it, think, oh, I've got to ring up to, to complain about something or to ask for support. And you just you're normally on hold for quite a long time. And the person at the other end it needs time to understand what you need with AI, at least. Now, is, is that being deployed already or it's about to be deployed, Stephen? Well, it's been through some rigorous testing in 2023 uh, and it is going to be deployed throughout their call centres and also within their stores as well. So uh, across the board, Telstra want to make their customer service as best as it can be. I think that, that step one is bringing call centres back into Australia and a lot of lot of uh, call centres located around the country. So potentially you could be speaking to a support person who might be just in the next suburb, which is, is, which is really helpful to the customer who want to get to the heart of their problem without having to talk to someone in, in the Philippines or India or another call centre that has no idea uh, your situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that, um, especially when you said, you know, Telstra cares about customer feedback. I was about to interject with, you know, overseas call centers, but if they bring them back, that would be terrific. I mean, I've recently switched to a company called Aussie Broadband, and they are. They're exactly that. They're yep. Aussies. They're terrific. Their pricing is wonderful, and their service has been top-notch uh, for the NBN. So yeah, I just I'm a I'd... customer too, mate. Yeah, I'm an Aussie Broadband customer. Gigabit per second, mate. I've got fibre to the premises, although you, the way my internet was going today, you wouldn't think so. But anyway, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's not too bad 99% of the time. No, I've got the same thing, mate. The 1,050, it's been really, really good. Uh, the one time it was bad, I think the young bloke was upstairs downloading the latest episode of Fortnite or something. So Yeah, he's, he's I think been... my son might be playing a bit of Warhammer outside, mate. I might have to have a word to him. <laughs> but, mate, it probably is what's happened. Mate, now, um, I'm looking forward to that and anything that basically uh, hits the overseas call centres on the head and brings jobs yeah. back I'll tell you in. who needs to see, uh, that'd be day one because they have, and this is from personal experience, I've been, had, was, was an Optus customer for 25 years. They, they cannot, they, they, their call centres in India, they were absolutely hopeless. When I wanted to switch from, I wanted to go to the fibre to the premises with Optus, but 
They upgraded my plan, Did had no idea what modem I needed. Even at the store, they put me on a phone to someone in India. I'm thinking, mate, this is too hard, and that's why I left them and went to Aussie Broadband. Yeah, I love that. You know, their their motto might be yes, but when it comes to Optus, <laughs> my motto is no. Uh, mate, the other thing I want to quickly talk about, and people, they're out there, yeah. they're in the public, uh, looking very strange to people who don't understand, people with these new Apple Vision Pro head, VR yeah. headsets. And I've got to, uh, again, I was listening to one of your podcasts, and you said that when you had that half-hour session with it, if you could have said, take my money, it was that good, you would have just handed over the money and take one. I mean, it's just like this exceptional experience. Yeah, it is, mate. When, App when Apple do something, uh, they're not always the first to do it, but they're usually the best to do it. And and this, the, I've used plenty of VR in the past, and this absolutely blew me away, just the, the quality the, the, of the experience, just the, the, the sleek quality of the product itself as well uh and and it's got just gone on sale in the united states as well won't be in australia i'm thinking probably around june june july is probably when we'll see it it ain't cheap i've got to say it's about it'll probably be around five and a half six thousand dollars in australia but you are getting a standalone computer i'm sure there's plenty of your listeners out there that have specced up laptops and towers spent probably around that same amount to spec up a gaming computer so I think if if comparing that to the power of of this new technology and the willingness for customers to spend that sort of money when it comes to gaming and entertainment, then this is probably in in that similar ballpark. So yeah, for your average punter, probably too expensive for your but for your your dedicated gamer tech fan, this is I think in the ballpark. And as you said, mate, I, in that experience I had with it. If I was able to hand over my credit card and take it home that minute, I would have absolutely paid for it. Yeah, I've watching some of the FPV stuff. Someone sitting there in their own lounge room, looking around, seeing their own lounge room, and you've got a screen that you can resize with your hand as big or small as you want here. Another one with your emails over here. I mean, yep. you, you could turn your home into some sort of, uh, you know, Superman cave. And it might sound like a lot of money, six grand. I think you can get them from Kogan here yeah. in Australia. Um, but when you have a look at what you can do and what you can simulate, but a realistic simulation of having, you know, 50 screens around you, or maybe that's unrealistic. Yeah, no, it's remarkable. I, I think, though, well, the, the fact that Apple's actually now entered into this market has really, I think, validated the VR the VR game. Like other competitors, like I was talking to the boss of HTC Vive, Thomas Dexmere, and I said, mate, how do you feel about Apple coming into the VR space? And he said, I can't wait for them to release the product because it's sort of the rising tide lifts all boats scenario, you know, yep. it's going to... It help everybody, and even even I've been using the Meta Quest to Meta Quest Three, the latest VR uh, headset from from uh, Meta, uh, which is the company behind Facebook. And I've got to say, I'm really impressed with the quality of it as well. The one difference, and I think, what's going to set Apple apart and what's going to make it easier to onboard customers is the fact that the Vision Pro has no controllers. It's all your hands. You don't have to hold those stupid little joysticks in your hand. It's all your own hands controlling everything. I think that, again, another removal of a barrier to, to get into the experience, uh, Apple have really have excelled there. I think that that's the real difference. The others are around good quality, cheaper, but you got to hold these silly controllers and still have a good time, but it's just one extra step or one extra thing you have to learn and one extra thing you have to charge as well.
Yeah, and for those who have never used it, I mean, honestly, go to a store, put one on your head, you won't believe it. Um, for those saying, no, I'll never get one of those, that would be tantamount to those back in the radio days when this new thing called TV came out, I don't want one of them, I'll never get one of those. Yeah. Or or maybe when you had a horse, you know, oh, one of yeah. those, you know, those perambulating vehicles, I'll never get one of those. Absolutely, I think this will be a part of everyone's oh, mate, life. No, no doubt, the Apple behind it, it's going to be a very popular product and, and it'll probably come down in price as well over the years. But you've got to remember one thing. It's a solitary experience. It's not like you can share this with your family. It's a totally solo event. And while it's amazing, you're on your own. So I think, yeah, it has its place. Like I don't see my future as wearing this thing out in public and wearing it 24-7. But when there's time, maybe to watch some sport or watch play a game or watch a movie or... All right, Stephen, maybe we're having a few more dramas with that internet connection of yours. Uh, I could talk to you all day about tech. Everybody, that's Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Get on there, check out his podcast, and if you're ever considering buying anything that's new, that's innovative, get on there and he'll tell you what the best option is. Thank you, Stephen Fennick. We appreciate your time. And, yeah, no, Stephen's internet's playing up again. His son's got... got Cheers, my friend. Well, yeah, and we'll be getting him on the program uh, once a week to discuss all the latest technology out there in the world. Stephen Fennick, techguide.com.au. I'll be talking to Jeremy Beck coming up after this break right here at today's News Talk. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The cyclone that's in the north of Australia is kind of unusual for an El Nino season. That's because we have not really had an El Nino season this year in Australia. The Southern Oscillation Index, the longest running measure of the ENSO, or El Nino, La Nina, has not cooperated at all. And we knew this was a problem way back in the Northern Hemisphere fall in our spring because we weren't seeing a lot of typhoons. Usually when you have a big El Nino, you have a lot of typhoons going off and we had the third lowest typhoon production on record. So something funky was going on. However, that Southern Oscillation Index is going to crash for the month of February, which means that our fall should be average in Australia. Now I'm bringing all this up because that crash in February is linked to severe cold in the United States and Europe for February into March. And we're seeing another ferocious storm attacking Norway now. A lot of heavy rain is coming into Europe over the next week. Now the two times that happened, it turned frigid in Europe. Same thing is going to happen. Mid-February to mid-March will be frigid in Europe. You see all these storms crashing into the United States? Well, guess what? It's going to turn frigid in the United States. In fact, for much of the United States, the worst of the winter is on the way. And just think, it all hinges on looking at the weather around Australia. Isn't that nice? Hands across the water. Australia, the States, and Europe. Kumbaya. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Sometimes, a car comes along that changes everything with innovations never thought possible and features that make you wonder how did people survive without this this is that time and this is that car this is the world's first bwb equipped with transparent doors to eliminate reasonable suspicion whatever that means a 10 and 2 steering wheel that keeps hands visible at all times. We remove the glove box so there's no confusion about what the driver is reaching for. 
With a touch of a button, the ultrasonic biometric scanner displays the license and registration of the driver to ensure contactless exchange of information. With no trunk, nothing can be concealed, so therefore, there is nothing to search and seize. To ensure you will never be mistaken for breaking the speed limit, we've installed limited edition airless tires. And we remove the engine because, honestly, why risk it? DWB, the first vehicle of its kind, where the safety feature is the car itself. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Indeed it is. My next guest is also my producer. He's the producer of Chris Smith as well, an independent and political media consultant. He has decades of experience in studying and writing about globalisation and has covered many related topics, uh, including COVID-19, climate change, alarmism and the WEF. It's a dirty word, isn't it? The WEF. He's got a degree with honours in mechanical engineering, and his name is, and he's my mate, Jeremy Beck. Jeremy, how are you going? G'day, Dean. Uh, mechanical engineering, yeah. Uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, but uh, it came in useful, and uh, particularly on 9-11, when uh, I saw those buildings collapse at free fall speed, and I thought, that just defies the laws of physics. Uh, <laughs> but talking about science, Dean, uh, a story caught my eye. According to the latest data released by the Copernicus Climate Change Service, which is managed by the European Commission, global temperatures through January were the warmest on record at 1.66 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. It's meant to sound scary, I think. <laughs> and 1.6 coming in at their magic little 1.5 target number. What, what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is um, a lot of alarmism. But in a press release on Wednesday, the Copernicus Climate Change Service stated that January 2024, just last month, was the warmest January on global uh, on global record, uh, with average surface air temperatures of 13.14 degrees Celsius, 0.7 degrees Celsius above the 1991 to 2020 average for January and 0.12 degrees Celsius above the temperature of the previous warmest January in 2020. Now they say this is the eighth month in a row that is the warmest on record for the respective month of the year. Uh, now the designated pre-industrial reference period that they state is an average from the year 1850 to 1900. But of course, the Industrial Revolution started well before then. But uh, let's not argue about that because most emissions happen well after then. Uh, it really uh, didn't get going until well into last century. And particularly, most emissions really didn't start until the post-World War II era, even though the world was industrialised, we didn't have the population combined with that industrial activity. So most of the emissions have come in re recent years, but uh, the implication here, uh, well, the, the alarmists claim that these emissions are the problem and that's causing the warming, 
But correlation does not mean causality, Dean. Mate, numbers, they're very much like a potato. You can have the one data set and you can do so many different things with it, depending on what you want to accomplish, uh, whether that be mashed potatoes, hot chips, uh, or perhaps some sort of potato bake. Mate, you can just add in a little dose of yourself and get that data to tell you any story you like. Now, I mean, I can remember plenty of summers with 49, 50, I think even a 51 degree day, not going anywhere near close for that the last couple of months. And yet, if you want to nitpick data, I guess you can make it say whatever you like. Exactly right, Dean. Uh, and this is about lies, damn lies and statistics. <laughs> uh, now, look, uh, I've been following the climate change debate for many, many years. In fact, I originally uh, was taught it at high school and I, and I believe the the lies uh, and at university, and I believe the lies for a short period. But in my early 20s, in the 1990s, I, I figured it out that uh, this does not make sense. And I looked at the physics of it all. And you know, having done mechanical engineering, I've done university level physics and chemistry. And I, I studied the climate side of it in great depth for many, many years. And what I do know for a fact is that temperature has gone up and down so many times throughout millions and millions of years. And there's basically no correlation with the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. In fact, uh, when the dinosaurs roamed the planet, uh, we had about, say, 2,000 parts per million carbon dioxide. Now they're carrying on about something that's less than half that. We've got about 400 and something parts per million. Uh, there was the Roman warm period. So get back to this, the, the highest on record they're talking about. Well, actually, the record doesn't mean anything because what about the temperatures a thousand or two thousand years yeah. ago, which we do know were warmer because we have archaeological evidence that, you know, during the time uh, of the Roman Empire and, and even a thousand years ago, it was warmer. We had grapes growing in Great Britain. <laughs> Think about that. Great vines. And, and you have streets named like Vine Street and what have you. So we've got evidence to show that it definitely was warmer back then. So, so what? It is a little bit warmer. Uh, I've seen the, um, the satellite records and they've only been going since 1978. Uh, so that's not that long, really. But we've been measuring temperature using satellites, which is quite accurate because you get a very good picture right across the planet. Uh, and they do indeed say that this January last month was the hottest on the satellite record. So I'm not, I'm not doubting that. But so what? Uh, you know, since 1978, big whoopee do. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd ask the question. I mean, a whose satellite is it? And do we have a range of satellites so they're independently owned where we can correlate this information and make sure that it all checks out? I mean, I would like that extra degree of security in the information. And again, I mean, we know what they've been up to in the past. I mean, they've had weather stations that they've put on right, I mean, immediately to the side of a bitumen tarmac at an airport so they could pick up increased temperatures reflecting off this black bitumen and, and say, oh, it's eight degrees or four degrees or two degrees hotter in this particular place than it was four years ago. We find out they moved the weather station to get the result that they wanted. So, I mean, how much of their data when it doesn't suit our narrative, I believe, is, is I guess, something um, we have to just speculate on. Mate, all I can go by is it's the world, you're living in it, I'm living it. I'm not feeling that it is drastically hotter than when I was a kid. Um, I remember it being a lot hotter 
10 years ago and feeling it and I'm older now. So I, I should, it should be feeling hotter to me now, even if it isn't. So again, mate, I, I think they're, they're having a lend of us, their magical 1.5 degree, you know, target that they want us to reduce this, the, the world by here we are one third of 1% in Australia, you know, spending all this money. Meanwhile, India, China, the big polluters, what are they doing? The exact opposite of what we're doing because they're a lot smarter than we are as a group, it would seem. Exactly right. No, the whole thing is just a big scam through and through. Uh, no doubt about that. Now, I do have another interesting story here. I think this is a good news story uh, because on Wednesday, the US Senate blocked a bill that would have allowed more funding for Ukraine and also funding for Israel. Uh, now, the bill included funding for border security. Uh, the whole bill totaled $118 billion. Uh, so out of that, $60 billion was for military aid for Ukraine and $14 billion in military assistance for Israel. So mostly it was a bill to fuel war uh, rather than for border security. That was just propped in uh, just to keep some of the Republicans happy, but they weren't that happy because clearly uh, most voted against it. Now, while most uh, Republican senators voted against the bill, most Democrats supported it. So that goes to show you that the Democrats are basically a war party, but surprise, surprise there. Uh, now, we did have Democrats Ed Markey, Bob Menendez, Alex Padilla and Elizabeth Warren. They, they joined the Republicans who voted against it, as well as independent from Vermont, Bernie Sanders. Uh, so they refused to back the legislation. So there are a few that jumped, uh, which I thought was quite surprising. Uh, because I was expecting all the Democrats to uh, just vote lockstep, yeah. support Biden. Uh, now, this has obviously upset the military industrial complex. Uh, now, last month, we had US Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. He pleaded with the Republicans, insisting that Congress would only invite even more bloodshed and more chaos if aid to Kiev is not secured. Uh, you know, talk about turning reality on its head. Um, now, Biden warned just this week that the clock is ticking in terms of funding for Ukraine and that a further delay would only help Russia. Uh, so uh, clearly, uh, I think most Americans can see through this now. They've had a gut full of it. They're worried about inflation. They're worried about their own backyard. They don't want more funding going to wars overseas, which they're not winning in. They're really going to wish this got through before Friday morning our time because, of course, uh, there's Tucker Carlson. I, I believe the interviews are being edited as we speak. Uh, it's going to be out there, him and Vladimir Putin, and that is absolutely going to change the mind of so many people. People who didn't care are going to care. They're probably going to um, be caring about the money of their grandkids. It's going to be sent away money they're going to have to borrow, of course, in America to go and fund this foreign war, a war that's killed pretty much an entire generation of Ukrainians. I mean, it, it's a it's a genocide over there, and it's their fault. And most of those poor Ukrainians didn't even want to fight. They were scripted. They were put out there on the battlefront and to fight a war that absolutely wasn't going to do them any good at all. And of course, people are going to be looking at a very level-headed, uh, a very intelligent um, and a very astute 
uh, one Mr. Vladimir Putin, and they're going to um, wake up. So they're going to wish this bill had gone through. Sanders, Warren and co, did they state why they weren't on board for this? Was it because there wasn't enough money for the Ukraine or did they actually want more money for the border, as one would hope for? But I can't imagine that was the, the case. Oh, well, I do know for a fact that uh, there, there is opposition, even within some Democrats or independents, against the warmongering. It's it's a, a fairly mute opposition. Uh, I, I know for a fact that Bernie Sanders uh, has been somewhat outspoken on the 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 war. Uh, he's playing. He's sitting on the fence a bit, right? Though I mean, he's he's uh, been critical of Hamas and critical. He's been critical on both sides, basically, um, which. Really, if you want to get down to it, fair enough, be critical of Hamas. You know, what what October 7, you know, is is an absolute horrific situation there. But who actually created Hamas in the first place? Who actually funded it? And and this is on public record uh, that uh, we we had the Israelis who supported Hamas because they were trying to destabilise the Palestinian Liberation Organisation and uh, using Hamas there. Uh, for Israeli interests. So really it's come back to bite them. Uh, and, you know, there's there's a horrific terror attack which happened. Uh, call it terrorism. That's fine. I, I agree. It is terrorism. But what's happening in Gaza right now is more than terrorism. It, it's genocide. And it's it's rather remarkable that a, a group that has experienced historically six million dead at the at the hands of the German, you think they'd be a little bit more sensitive towards that. I refer to Israel as the false flag capital of the world. And for those who think I'm wrong, I would ask you. I mean, I I, I think 9/11 was was uh, was something that we need to look into. But go back a little bit further. USS Liberty, people, please write it down. USS Liberty, and you'll find out back from the origins of this particular nation. Um, they've got a bit of a history and check it out and then have, have a bit of a think about it, get back to us, let us know what you think because it will. T- it's rather telling, I think, if you read the story of the USS Liberty um, and what people will do, you know, people will do a bad thing to themselves if it has a bigger long-term gain or a bigger long-term benefit and don't put it past them. Uh, they're very clever and, uh, and cunning, some of the people over there and around the world in our own military and governments as well. And they'll do whatever it takes to achieve their goals, but certainly we, we need to be a little bit more um, uh, as, as on on the on point when it comes to these people. Because again, what's happening around the world, it couldn't happen if there was was not an actual conspiracy at play. And I dare say, America, you know, Israel, and uh, this global uh, cabal of people are behind a lot of it. Yeah, for sure. And that USS Liberty uh, is definitely worth looking into. Um, I, I looked into it many years ago, and uh, clearly, uh, it, it, it's it's something which uh, they've got blood on their hands. Those Israelis who are behind attacking that ship, uh, Malcolm Fraser, our former prime minister, uh, he did make reference to that, and he got hounded by the Zionist lobby in Australia. They accused our own former prime minister as peddling in conspiracy theories. <laughs> so that shows you how sensitive the issue is, Dean. And it's certainly not a con- well. It is a conspiracy, and it's conspiracy fact. It's on record, and yeah. uh, you can talk to anybody. And there are surviving members of the crew of the USS Liberty who will go on record and certainly have to uh, tell you that that is the case. Jeremy Beck, thank you for your time. Of course, uh, you'll be joining us again in a few weeks, I would hope, and uh, doing a terrific job as both my and Chris Smith's producer here at TNT. We've got Sonia Poulton coming up right after the break, everybody. Stick around and we'll catch you tomorrow here at TNT.